0: I would like to channel all of this wonderful energy that we've heard here tonight the last two and a half hours. I'd like to channel this energy toward actually working together and building Park Space.
1: Welcome to the show, folks. You're listening to KLBP Long Beach Public Radio. My name is Kevin Flores, editor at Forth.org, and this is City Council Meeting Notes, bringing you a recap of what went down at the Long Beach City Council Meeting each week. We'll talk about the decisions, the stakes, and the occasional drama. That was 8th District Councilmember Al Austin you heard at the top of the show. Prior to the council voting to greenlight a controversial development in the Wrigley Heights area, on the banks of the LA River. Later in the show, we'll have on Carlos Ovalle, co-founder and board member of the River Park Coalition, a group that formed to oppose the project and instead demanded that a park be built at the site. Before that, let's do a quick recap. The council this week voted seven to one to ratify a decision made by the Planning Commission in December to approve an RV parking lot and self-storage facility on a roughly 14-acre patch at 3701 Pacific Place. The developer, Insight Property Group, is also planning to build a 6,200-square-foot office building at the site that will serve as the company's new headquarters. Now, the project's RV lot will have 578 parking stalls and will be used for storage purposes only, meaning no one will be living on the premises. For months, the River Park Coalition and other community and environmental groups have demanded that the land be turned into green space instead, especially because it's located in a region of the city that has less park space than other areas. The neighborhoods adjacent to the 710 Freeway are sometimes referred to as the Diesel Death Zone, due to the high amount of pollution from trucks, port activity, and nearby oil refineries. There's a higher rate of pollution-related health problems there like asthma, and activists say that more park space would help improve the air quality. Here's Laurie Angel of the River Park Coalition, one of the appellants who spoke at the council meeting against the development.
2: This body has recognized the need for open space on the west side time and again. We are at a point where every single parcel along the river is needed for open space. We need to protect and enhance the watershed. We need to improve our environmental situation and sustainability not continue to detract and diminish it. You are fully aware that the worst land uses continue to be piled up on the west side. The actions you take in your land use decisions either attest to your commitment to the community or they show a reckless disregard for all the critical issues that continue to lead to extensive health issues and diminished life expectancy. Open space will help.
1: Despite the arguments from activists, the city said that the Pacific Place property is not a good location for a park. In a report issued last week, the city stated that the property was once used as an oil-brine water treatment facility, leaving the soil contaminated with lead and arsenic. Other issues, according to the city, include poor pedestrian access and the private ownership of the property. The city estimated that turning the Pacific Place site into a park would carry a $27.7 million price tag including cleanup and acquisition costs. 8th District Councilmember Al Austin, who presides over the area, agreed with the city's assessment and said that their lot has been the subject of numerous nuisance complaints.
0: I want to be clear that this particular site has been industrial use for the past 100 years, right? And for the past 14 years, ever since the driving range closed, it has been a blighted and vacant site. My office has received countless complaints about nuisances and blight uh, uh, from this site since it's been vacant. Uh, These include dirt bike and off-road vehicles on the weekends, uh, kicking up dust, this very contaminated dust that we now know about, as well as noise contamination. And there's also been complaints about uh, encampments and brush fires in this this area, which has been a, a drain on our public uh, safety services.
1: As possible alternatives, Austin pointed to various other pieces of land the city has identified that could potentially become parks, including an 11-acre property owned by the county near the Pacific Place site. Here's City Manager Tom Odega with more.
2: Uh, this is, uh, the county property. So, um, within two months, it was identified. Uh, once we really saw this site as an opportunity site, uh, uh, we contacted the county. Uh, uh Councilmember Austin, uh, you know, helped with that. A number of people helped with that. Uh, and Janice Hahn, um, uh, actually asked the county public works director to, uh, kind of stop any other types of planning on that project. Um, they were really looking at making that a maintenance yard, uh, and a laydown yard. Uh, so, uh, basically having trucks and, and pipes and equipment. Uh, And so they have uh, officially put that on hold at the city's request. Uh, and at the um, uh, supervisor's request as well. And we are um, starting some discussions. So uh, park uh, projects do take some time. This would be uh, one that we'd have to go find funding for and and do some initial planning and designing work uh, and all the uh, appropriate outreach. Uh, But we are um, seeing that as a a very good uh, possibility. I'm uh, very glad that the county has uh, made it available, at least stopped what they were doing so we can uh, really get into the next steps on this project.
1: Representatives for Insight Property Group said that they'll be taking on the cost of mitigating the contamination at the Pacific Place site and to ensure the safety of the surrounding community during and after construction, the company said that they plan to implement several strategies, including air quality monitoring and installing a concrete cap to contain the toxic soil.
2: So, uh, in our experience, we've, as Paul said, we've got 40 current projects. I uh, know we've done a, over 100 similar projects in the last decade. Um, these efforts sufficiently address the environmental concerns with the site. Uh, and notably, you know, we will be occupying this site ourselves uh, and obviously have a, uh, a good incentive to ensure that uh, the site is safe when we finish.
1: The company also promised to create a small nature preserve on the north end of the project with public trail access to the L.A. River. Still, the appellant said that they wanted the council to order a full environmental impact report on the project, but only Seventh District Council member Roberto Uranga agreed with them
3: because we want to be comfortable that whatever goes in that property is going there because there was a full extensive EAR performed. All the concerns regarding contamination, regarding the, uh, the uh, environmental justice issues that were, that were brought up were, in fact, addressed and looked at.
1: Suli Sarro recused herself from the vote due to her employment as a consultant to the San Gabriel and Lower Los Angeles Rivers and Mountains Conservancy, which had been involved in negotiations for the project's site. You're listening to KLBP 99.1 FM, Long Beach Public Radio. After the break, we'll talk to Carlos Ovale, co-founder and board member of the River Park Coalition. Stay with us. Editor at Forth.org, and you're listening to City Council Meeting Notes on KLBP 99.1 FM. I'm joined now by Carlos Ovalle, co-founder and board member of the River Park Coalition. The group had opposed the RV lot and self-storage facility project the council approved this week, instead arguing that the community would benefit much more from a park. So thank you for being with us today, Carlos. Thank you for having me. So Tuesday evening, the council voted 7 one to go forward with the development in the Wrigley Heights area along the LA River that community activists had strongly opposed and were instead calling for a park to be built there. How are you and others who oppose the project feeling today? Well,
3: um, you know, it was uh, it was not a surprise, certainly to those of us who have uh, been involved in uh, Long Beach politics for a while now, uh, this, this uh, city, has always been a very pro-development city, so we—that um, uh, is, uh, the, the, the more veterans of us—were uh, we're not at all surprised. Uh, disappointed, yes, but not at all surprised. But the the the, the struggle goes on. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's there's uh, there's an end game. Uh, you know, we we're we're. Uh, uh, Reminded of uh, John Paul Jones' uh, uh, famous quote that we have not yet begun to fight.
1: And the River Park Coalition that this development is part of a bigger issue involving park equity in the city. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and and tell us where these inequities lie?
3: So this started a while back when uh, some of us were looking at uh, at issues of, uh, of uh, equity, uh, structural racism, environmental racism uh, in the city. And uh, we had uh, been looking at uh, different statistics. Uh, in particular, we were uh, amazed to find validation in, in, in our thoughts about park, parks inequity by uh, when we looked at a document produced by the Department of uh, Parks, Recreation, and Marine that indicated that uh, that uh, uh, that the north and west sectors of Long Beach only had one park acre per thousand people. Uh, the south uh, sector had two point seven park acres per thousand, whereas the east. Uh, which is essentially the entire eastern half of long Beach, east of the Long Beach airport had uh, nearly seventeen. And um, we we felt that uh, that that was environmental racism, not in the sense of parks as a place to go and and have picnics and have some recreation, but in the in the sense that uh, that uh, that trees are the lungs of the city. And uh, we needed that in we need that in the present tense in uh, Western Long Beach because we have uh, uh, along the the uh, 710 freeway uh, one of the most polluted areas in the entire nation, and um, uh, whereas Eastern Long Beach uh, is is uh, not in the same boat
1: as uh, as we are. And so the city released a report last identifying an 11-acre parcel north of the 405 Freeway along the LA River uh, that it says could be turned into a park. Now, this property is near the site of the controversial Pacific Park development in question. Do you believe this 11-acre parcel is a good alternative? Uh, We don't see it as an alternative.
3: Uh, We always thought of that parcel of county land as an integral part of the, the park that we have been envisioning uh, for decades. And by we, I mean the city. Uh, the city uh, voted uh, and on and unanimously approved the River Link project that includes not just those 11 acres, but uh, everything that used to be uh, the f- uh, former oil operators land, uh, the highly contaminated uh, Parcels that stretch between uh, uh, this sort of big triangle formed by the blue line train tracks, the uh, L.A. River, Warlow Road uh, on on the south, and uh, and this uh, this area is bisected by the four hundred five freeway. The part that where you know that uh, that council voted uh, to to allow this RV parking lot is the northern sector, north of the 405, but we're fighting for the entire area. So we we have always considered this big area, which was outlined clearly in the Riverlink project and in other projects uh, uh, over the decades uh, as, as part of this uh, big 70
1: acre park. And that same report that I just mentioned found that the Pacific Place site uh, was unsuitable for a park because it was contaminated, had poor pedestrian access, and is owned by a private party. These were valid reasons to you know, to develop this RV parking lot and storage facility instead of building a park.
3: Well, so that's, that's really a multi-part uh, uh, question. Let me address first uh, the issue of access. Um, they initially said that, uh, that this area is more suitable for, for something related to vehicular because it is uh, accessed uh, by only one point, meaning uh, the dead end of Pacific Place. But they neglected to mention that this area is uh, accessed easily from the north along uh, walking, uh, bicycle trail, and uh, and horse trail uh, access that, that, that basically comes, you know, the, that whole line uh, uh, along the L.A. River. Uh, by the same token, it's easily accessed from the south. I use that area frequently. I, I hike from my home in Wrigley uh, to uh, the Dominguez Gap wetlands uh, and uh bypassing uh, you know going uh basically next to this uh to this uh area that we're talking about so so exa- it's access it has easy access by pedestrian use by bicycle use by uh, people who ride uh, still ride their horses and uh and uh through this uh, this uh uh bike and pedestrian path it is also uh accessed from Uh, uh, the the Upper West Side uh, area of Long Beach uh, along Wardlow Road. And we always envisioned a series of connections that have been outlined as part of the River Nake Plan and other plans that deal with with, uh, the the parks along the river. Uh, So that's access. Uh, In terms of the environmental aspect, uh, uh, there are numerous examples of parks that have been built atop of uh, contaminated land. Uh, I, uh, I just here in Long Beach, uh, we have Davenport Park, which is also in the 8th District where this park is, uh, th- this uh, subject area is located. Uh, Davenport Park is, uh, is successful. Uh, the first phase was successful, and now the city is moving on to phase two on top of basically a, a, con- a piece of uh, contaminated land. So it's, it's nothing new. It's an appropriate use. Uh, in, in fact, it's even better because what um, a building does, or a cap, which is what uh, the developer and the Department of Toxic Substances Control are calling this, uh, is that they're putting a cap under uh, on top of this contaminated land. They call that cleanup. It's not cleanup. It's like sweeping the dirt under the rug, quite literally. Um, uh a a a park basically returns this area that has been violated by uh 100 years of of uh oil extraction and uh turns it back into its uh, natural state
1: and the other thing that the that the uh city cited um, was the private ownership issue, was there a way that you thought maybe the city could get around that?
3: Yes, there is this issue of uh, private property. We've never
1: denied that.
3: Uh, we recognize that uh, extreme solutions like eminent domain are, are not likely and not desirable. We, we, um, uh, however, we recognize that this land has uh, traded hands often in in recent years even after the uh the the, the city uh created the river Lake plan uh the city claims in their feasibility report that uh that uh, they tried but were unsuccessful in go, uh, getting into discussions with the sellers however the sellers uh, beg to disagree so this is this is something that we're going to be addressing more in detail in the future
1: and the River Park Coalition um, sent out an email on Tuesday afternoon, uh, just before the council meeting started, claiming that the 20 public comment call-in slots for the item on this project had been flooded by supporters of the development within three minutes uh, of the slots opening up. Essentially, yes. cutting out, yeah, essentially cutting out dissenting voices from expressing themselves live during the council meeting. Can you can you explain what you think happened here? Well, it's it's not what
3: I think happened. Uh, I I. I initially, when this happened, I, I suspected that uh, that something, uh, some coordinated effort had been made on the part of the developer to get their supporters to call in uh, or to, to sign up. It turns out that uh, the developer's lobbyist signed up all 20 speakers within three minutes of the speaking slots being opened essentially canceling any opportunity for the public to comment. Those 20 slots essentially became uh, additional time of support for the project by the developer, as opposed to an opportunity for the public to voice their opinion, essentially canceling out uh, the right of free speech uh, the uh, and the Brown Act. The city was made aware of this, uh, we gave them uh, options, we notified the city attorney, the council members, the mayor, the city manager, and uh, and they just let it go as if um, nothing had happened.
1: And to remind us, the 20% cap on telephonic public comments was put in place by the city clerk back in June, uh, yes. three months three months after shuttering the council chambers due to the pandemic. Carlos, the city has said that it's working on reopening the council chambers, but in the meantime, do you think this 20% cap on live public comments is fair? And, and what do you think the city should do?
3: No, it's uh, uh, the the city clerk's office claims that they did this in response to the governor's uh, uh, emergency measures uh, due to COVID, but it just makes no sense uh, whatsoever. Uh, as As far as I know, covid isn't transmitted via the internet and so there's there's no reason to put a cap there's absolutely no reason uh, other than to silence uh the public and this is a this is a long trajectory we used to have 5 minutes at the podium that got cut to 3 minutes that got cut to 90 seconds and and as i've said often for really important things like charter amendments which is essentially a constitutional amendment for the city's uh the city's constitution uh we've been given 36 seconds so uh and now there's a cap uh when we argued against measure bbb the term limit extension we we filled uh, the council chambers and uh we had um i don't know maybe 60 70 speakers and uh with the exception of a couple of speakers uh, uh, to speak fact that if the council chambers had been open or if the phone lines had been open for us to exercise uh, our right to, to voice an opinion uh, we would have seen something like this happen. But, you know, like I said, nobody that, uh, that was uh, that, that uh, opposed uh, building a parking lot was able to, to speak. Um, Furthermore, Uh, Only a handful of the speakers that had been signed up uh, by the developers' uh, lobbyists uh, actually spoke. The rest of the slots, uh, 16 slots, could have been filled in by people waiting to speak. The city clerk chose not to give us that opportunity.
1: And so I know you mentioned at the top of the interview that the River Park Coalition is going to continue uh, fighting for park equity. Yes. Um, Are there any specifics you can give us on how people can get involved and and what's next.
3: Yeah, um we have a uh a website riverparkcoalition.org. You can uh sign up uh on our mailing list there. You know, many people think that this is a uh this is a a a group of people just from uh the Los Cerritos neighborhood, a a very white, uh very wealthy neighborhood. Well, uh, it's not the two uh, people that founded this are uh, myself and my brother Juan, uh, who is currently the the, uh, the 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 president of our board. Uh, we're certainly. Uh, not white. Uh, We're uh, not wealthy. And our focus is first and foremost, park equity. We're not just concentrated on this area. We're looking at this area because this area happens to be uh, the the most in danger of being lost. And it happens to be that uh, both uh, the north and south sectors of the former oil operators land are in danger of being lost. These are the two last Biggest remaining parcels, but we are looking at various other areas all along the LA River, uh, and uh, and uh, not uh, just uh, specifically Long Beach. So, uh, uh, so our focus uh, as we as we grow and uh, and as we move beyond just this particular uh, parcels is uh, is going to be to to look at various other areas, some public property. Uh, owned by the county, by the city, some private property. So we did, um, we did our own feasibility study, uh, and our own feasibility study discovered that uh, there were millions of dollars available through various organizations, uh, uh, public organizations and, and, and uh, uh, private funds that have been looking for an organization such as ours to address the is- issues of park inequity. Uh, and uh, we will be tapping into those sources uh, whether it's for this these parcels or for future parcels elsewhere in the city and in neighboring cities
1: well thank you carlos for joining us thank you for having me and that's all i got for you this week folks thank you for tuning in Remember, the City Council meets at 5 p.m. on the first three Tuesdays of the month, and you can also follow along with our live coverage of each meeting on Twitter at LBC meeting Notes. You can catch this program every Thursday and Sunday at 11 a.m. on KLBP 99.1 FM. You can also listen on demand on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to our editor Gabe Ferales. Theme music by my colleague Esther Kang. My name is Kevin Flores, editor at Forth.org. Take
0: care.